Digital Archaeology. All this and more on This Week in Retro. High resolution color graphics. This land of high technology. The revolution in technology that made the information age possible. Those kids are not afraid of computers. Isa Pisa. It's burger time. And small or far away. All this and more coming up on this week's show. Up to date news for out of date tech. How are you, Chris? Yeah, not too bad. I'm, I'm... You know, every week, Neil asks us... Oh, Neil being absent, by the way. So um hope you feel better, Neil. But he's had to take a, a last-minute break. Um, so all the best to him. Um, but every, every week, Neil kindly asks us how we're doing. And I forgot the other week, he'd, he'd run um, a Patreon-only stream, and he'd purposely done it so that those from the Asia, Asia Pac area, including obviously Australia and New Zealand, could join. And it's, it's it's such a rare opportunity that I get to join a stream um, live. I used to have to watch the recording, which is never the same experience. Um, so, Neil, assuming you'll listen to the recording, even though you're not here today, thank you so much for doing that from me and everybody else in the Asia Pac region that was able to join that live because it really is really is cool. Um yeah, other yeah, than that, um, yeah, go on. Yeah, he's, um, I, I like his streams. Uh, yeah. People who have been around for a while will remember he did the lockdown streams where he did a stream just about every day uh, to try and keep us all sane, or, well, those of us who weren't snowed under with work at the time, because um, <laughs> I think some some people were and some people weren't. Uh, that was good. So, yeah, the, street, the streams are great, and I, I'm glad that he did one early so that uh, you lot down under can, can actually join in. Yeah, that was good. And it was, in fact, because of those streams that he did, um, that's how I came into his Discord community um, and discovered that Neil is so much more about not just his channel and the exhibition space, but about building a community. And that's one of the reasons I became his patron, in all honesty. Um, Don't mind saying that publicly. Um, Yep, so it was good. Other than that, uh, I've been getting into the habit every Sunday of popping to my local refuge centre. I have to say that carefully. Um, And I picked up a HOTAS joystick um, an X52 for $10, which was fantastic. And charity shops. I've been jumping in. <laughs> it's such a cool. And the whole thing works. It's a little bit neat, little bit grubby. It needs a bit of a clean, but it, it works fine. Um, and then I went into the charity shop on the weekend, and for $7, I picked up myself a Panasonic personal stereo. So it's not a Walkman because it's not a Sony, um, but again, fully working. So yeah, really, really happy. So I don't know. It's I'm I'm going down some rabbit holes. I probably shouldn't go down, Dave. But it's cheap, right? So that yeah, makes it okay. Seven seven dollars to buy it, and then what will it end up you spending on it? But that that whole task thing is is incredible. Yeah. A bit of contact cleaner is what you need. A bit of contact cleaner, clean out all those uh, potentiometers. Yeah. Um, shall we move on to housekeeping? Let's do it. So I would like to welcome um, some new patrons, five of them this week. So thank you very much to Jason, to Tim, to Richard, to James, and a name I recognise, Mike Daly. Uh, And you might recognise Mike Daly's name as he's behind everybody's favourite game, Beano Town Racing. So thank you very much for signing up. Uh, He did something else with the the Lemmings. (laughs) 
not really played <laughs> that one. Um, so thank you very much, everyone, for signing up. It makes a big difference. If you do want to sign up to be our patron, then it's www.patreon.com slash thisweekinretro. Um, other than that, um, there is a link um, to an Atari art book I mentioned um, last week. Uh, I talked about the imagination gap and how um, box covers um, either disappointed us um, or um, set our imagination racing. I think it's the latter. I think it's imagination racing. And someone's linked uh, an Atari box art uh, book, and uh, I'll put it in the, the show notes. And um, the Atari uh, box art was absolutely incredible hand-drawing stuff that really set your, your mind going. And there's quite a healthy discussion in that as well. Uh, on the subreddit um and i should probably give a, a little summary of how this works now for most people you listen to the podcast or you watch it on youtube and that's it and that's fine um but if you do want to join in we have a subreddit where you can submit anything you pretty much anything you want uh and people can go and hit the little arrows to indicate if they want us to talk about it or if they don't and we go in once a week, and each of us will pick one story that um, that has been highlighted that we want to talk about and use it as a, a platform to talk about other different things. Um, and that's also where the question of the week answers go as well, and we read out the, the, the most uh, upvoted ones on there. Um, you don't have to. You can enjoy the podcast without doing anything or to do on Reddit, but if you want to, it's there for you. On with the show, I think. As predicted last week, uh, the retro webs seem to be becoming more and more obsessed with DOS-era PCs uh, at the moment. Uh, and yet another story has surfaced, thanks to Reddit user Weeping Scorpion 1982 that is to do with our favourite topic, Dave. ISA, sorry, ISA, ISA, ISA slots. Those slots. That, that one. You got it right there. You got it right there, at least One once. of the times. One of the times. Yes. I got, <laughs> I got it right, according to one of us so that's good anyway they kindly shared a link to a video by scrap computing in which we're shown the creation of a new project called the isa blaster this is a great little custom pcb that hosts a raspberry pi pico and connects it into the isa slot See what i did there dave yes what this creates what this creates i've covered both bases what this creates is a software customizable ISA card from which I assume you, you basically turn this card into something that emulates any ISA available function. Um, the use case shown in the first video is a USB mouse adapter. And so long story short, that's what he achieves in the video. Using the Pico on the ISA blaster, he's allowed use of an USB mouse on a DOS PC with the software on the Pico negating the need for custom circuits, basically. Obviously, the speed of the Pico is a consideration, but this possibly opens up the use of software emulation on a Pi to emulate other ISA cards. Dave, I know you recently spent two Shadow of the Beasts on an Orpheus 2 ISA card. What do you think about using the Pi-powered replacements for ISA cards? And any ideas for use cases that you'd be interested, um, you know, assuming it's possible? So I'd be wanting to do a little kind of... Um round up on what's out there for a while because this is a it's kind of a cutting edge thing in in dos retro um we found that these these little boards they cost 
about a fiver. So they're really not expensive. So you can put a board together that's not too expensive uh, and it does all sorts of things. So um, the one that the Scrap Computing has done here um, it is a mouse. Um, now, I don't know what else he's going to do with it. I mean, he's got a USB work, mouse working. Maybe he'll do USB storage. Maybe he'll do something else. I don't know. Uh, this is his third blaster project. He's done, the first thing he did was a voltage blaster to allow you to use a 3-volt 486 and a 5-volt 486 board. And he's also done a barrel, blast, barrel battery blaster. She sells seashells on the seashore to replace those nasty vartas you get on 386 and 486 boards, those barrel batteries that have almost all leaked and started to eat into the board. Um, I actually do have a modern-made ISA card which provides a PS2 port for a mouse. Um, it doesn't use, um, it doesn't actually use a, a, a Pi at all. And I can use certain USB mice on it with a PS2 adapter, although not all mice are compatible. So this would be a solution for that where you wouldn't need to have it compatible. And it, it should be relatively inexpensive. Um, I backed a project last year which uses a, a Pi 2 or faster, and supposedly a Pi 0 can be adapted, uh, called USB 4VC, which lets you use a USB keyboard, a mouse, and game pads on a range of PCs. And unlike this one, which connects to an ISA slot, this one connects to the input ports of the PC. So you would connect it to the PS2 port, you connect it to the 15-pin joystick port, or you can actually use an ADB protocol card, which allows it to connect to Macs, and there's nothing stopping using other cards for it. So this uses the Pi to translate a USB device into the, the signals that a PC is more used to. Um, but there's also a few other projects to keep up to date with. Um, Pico Post is an ISA card to help you monitor the, the address for postcodes. So if you ever noticed those two-digit, seven-segment displays on modern PC motherboards, well, that's the postcode, which helps you diagnose what a PC is doing when it tries to boot up so you can identify if there's a problem. It's been there for a long time, but going back as far as I think it's around the 286 area, around then that's when you started to be able to get those postcodes from it. So you can, you can buy a card, a cheap card on eBay just now that shows you it, but this, this Pico post is a lot better. Uh, it does more for you. Uh, and there's the, the person that developed it is talking about doing more with it, but it does report on 5-volt and 12-volt levels as well. There's Pico Mem, which maker Freddy describes as being inspired by the Pi Storm, but instead of doing CPU, it does ISA. And so far, it manages to provide 128K of main RAM. So this would mean if you've got a 512 kilobyte PC, you can take it up to the, the 640. Uh, four megabytes of EMS. It can emulate ROMs. It can do floppy and hard disk images. So it's for XT and AT class PCs. So this is a kind of a one-stop upgrade for those. And the last one to mention is one we've covered before, um, it, which is the it was the Pegasus, uh, which is now the the Pico Gus, and Ian started it by just doing a Gravis ultrasound on Isa, but he's now got it emulating several sound cards, and he's still going. Uh, my expect my cautious expectation, and he's not committed by what I say, but my cautious expectation is he's going to make a, a kind of one stop shop for Isa sound. We'd be able to put his card in and through the DOS command line 
tell it to to become whatever we want it to be. So I know that he's looking at Sound Blasters now, uh, and I hope that he eventually gets that working. But at the moment, it's got Gus, it's got Intelligent uh, Mode MIDI output, it does AdLib, Tandy, and CMS Game Blaster. So there are lots of different projects going on with these little Pico cards. Um, I know there's Blue SCSI as well, which is a SCSI adapter. Um, using one of those again it's, it's inexpensive i think it's about 50 quid or something to get it in the uk um and that will allow you to connect uh, to emulate scuzzies using i think an sd card there's lots of different projects going on it's really uh, it, it's really cutting edge at the moment and i hope that we'll get to the point where we can have isa uh, graphics cards and sound cards and all sorts of things done with these pies cool it's almost like the the pie storm for PCs kind of thing, you know, it's sort of opening up. Yeah, well, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. But I think that it's going it, to, yeah, the pie storm does a bit, but these the, these don't feel as if it's quite the same kind of takeover that the pie storm does. I think yeah. these, these are kind of, these are proper add-in cards rather than kind of taking over the system. That's right. Yeah, the pie storm kind of piggybacks mm. like a vampire, the CPU of an mm-hmm. Amiga, whereas this is the, the real CPU is still doing the grunt work and you're just yeah. basically doing it to replicate um, the add-on cards. Yeah. No, really cool, really cool projects. As always, the technical details are in the original video by Scrap Computing, um, who also has a host of other interesting projects, and Dave's just gone through some of them, um, if not all. No, no, there's more. There's, 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 there's much more, more than what I've there's, said. Oh, oh yeah. Fantastic. I just mentioned what, what it's called Blaster because when I first saw it, yeah. when I saw Isa Blaster, I thought, oh, this is a sound blaster. Of course, yeah. it's not. The reason it's called a blaster is because his projects <laughs> are all blasters. I was the same. I was saying, this is going to be yeah. a sound card using a P. Oh, no, wait, it's not. But it's still cool. Yeah. And who knows where it will go from here because at the end of the day, Isa. On that topic, he actually, in the video, he invites ideas of where to take the project next. So do hit him up in the comments of his video for suggestions of what you would like to see the ISA Blaster emulate next. Chris, what do you like in your burger? <laughs> Everything. It's always... Everything? If there's, a, if there's a burger on the menu, I just want to see which is the biggest, uh, and then I'll order yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Yourself? I like... I need to have tomato on it. Tomato and onion. There's tomato and onion. Anything else is great. Um, but yeah, I love a burger. Um, bacon. Have some bacon. Probably no surprise to people to hear that. But we're not we're not going to talk about eating burgers today. Um, let's go back to the 80s. Uh, and by the mid-80s, things were moving incredibly fast in computing. Prices were plummeting, uh, particularly memory, and it made new things possible that weren't financially possible previously. And by 1985, 16-bit home micros had started to arrive. They still were, they still were quite expensive. I mean, uh, most people in the UK, uh, certainly for our generation, where it, where it was the kids getting bought for, we didn't get a 16-bit micro in 1985. But they started to arrive, and prices would continue to to be driven down. They were much more powerful than the 8-bits we had before. They had more memory, better sounds, more powerful processors, better custom chips, etc. And the 16 bits that we remember as notable, they, they all seem to have their niches. So they, the Apple Macs for WYSIWYG editing, you had Atari ST for, for desktop publishing and MIDI, the IBM PC for a business workhorse. And of course, you had the Commodore Amiga for graphics. Now, I'm sure uh, everybody knows that the Amiga ended up being a kind of a budget games and general use micro with a games library where buying the original games was perhaps unusual. Um, 
<laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. In my house, yes, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Did you buy originals and that's all? Yeah, we've discussed no that. No pirates? I had very little pirates. Very little pirates. Yeah. yeah Maybe because they seldom yeah. worked. But anyway, carry on. Yeah, well. Carry on. But... It didn't start that way. Back in 1985, when the Amiga launched, it was a premium luxury micro with multimedia capability that, that just didn't exist elsewhere at a price that an individual could consider rather than the thousands and thousands and thousands for a graphics workstation, which it, it, it could kind of outperform. Um, it, 1985, it was groundbreaking, the Amiga. Now, Jack Hager was, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that correctly, he was the art director at Commodore, and he produced a series of images to demonstrate the Amiga's capabilities. Now, these are some of the very, very first pieces of art that were ever made on the Amiga. And in fact, he was using a pre-production version of Graphicraft, which didn't have a save function. So for some of the art he made, there only exists photographs of CRTs. And while in my never, ever humble opinion, that actually enhances the art, um, it's not the original. So along comes um, Ahoy. Now, he's a, a fantastic channel that produces super high-quality documentary-style videos quite irregularly. He doesn't produce a lot of content, and that's presumably because the, um, the, um, the massive mountain of work that must go into each one. When he comes up with a new video, I think everybody watches it. It's a real treat. The, the, the I think they may be the highest quality you'll see on YouTube. The Monkey Island one we've mentioned before, it's fantastic. He did one on trackers uh, and XCOM as well recently. Fantastic videos. But he's decided to do a video where he recreates the art nearly perfectly. This, this, this four-byte burger art, which was made by, by Jack Hager, and it's, um, Duncan's going to put it on screen, but it's a tall thing uh, where a burger is kind of um, landing as if all the constituent parts of the, of the burger are, are landing at the same time. Um, and um, it's kind of the, the, there's tomato sauce and mustard bursting out of it. And you can see on it, there's the big, lovely big slice of tomato. Um now, this was made by Jack uh, to demonstrate the, the Amiga's capabilities, but it, 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 wasn't, it wasn't a copy of it saved anywhere, so it never, it never survived. So what Ahoy has done is he's taken Photoshop and he has forensically, I think that's the right word, I think it's forensically recreated the image using, um, using Photoshop, clever techniques, but... Even if you're not particularly interested in Photoshop, which which I'm not, to be fair, um, it still held, held my interest because he works out, he does, he measures exactly how many pixels it was, and he works it out, and he, his maths adds up, and he then derives various different things, which I won't spoil here. Watch the video; it it, it it'll keep you engrossed. Um, um, but yeah, it, it's absolutely fantastic, and the end result is is magical. Uh, it, it it really does look nearly identical to it um but the real appeal for me is the journey he takes now have you had a chance to watch it chris i have indeed um yeah um it, it, I, th I was fascinated by his method in actually pulling apart what he perceived of the original and how and how it was made and and working out some really fine details that you might not otherwise spot um in terms of the orientation of the image um and 
the, the process was really interesting. But what I also found interesting was thinking about, okay, here he is doing it in Photoshop and there's benefits to doing that. But it also made me reappreciate the original art because, of course, mm. when you jump back to, you know, the, the um, older art packages on the Amiga, you don't have things like layers and masks and all of those kind of things, and you're literally working pixel by pixel. Um, so, you know, it, uh, it's a diff- different level of, of, of graphic art in, in my mind. You know, uh, you've really got to literally lay every last pixel. I mean, yeah, you've got shape tools and fill tools and all of that, but at the end of the day, to get the piece of art looking the way the, way the original did before it was digitally lost, if we can put it that way, is, is so much work, so much work going into it, even to just get, you know, the simplest of shading. It's a lot of dedication and skill. Yeah, and they are they are doing uh, and um, Ahoy does cover this in video. They're doing they're doing two completely different things. Yeah, Jack Hager when he did this originally was trying to create a piece of art, and there was no there was no right or wrong thing for him. It was just what he wanted to do. Of course, Ahoy is trying to recreate that bit of art. There's, he's not putting his own artistic license in, so it's two different things they were doing. But it was quite really, really interesting. But this 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 should be familiar to you, Chris, because if I remember right. You didn't fight. Did you find your old Amiga art, or did you make it again? Remind me. <laughs> no, I made it again. Um, and no, look, let, let's please not put the same on the, these two topics on the same level because there's no way my art is even close um, to what we're looking at here. But um, yeah, basically, the image was saved only in my mind. I mean, maybe there's a disc out there somewhere, but um, I certainly don't have it because all my stuff was passed on. Um, and in fact, that original disc was sent to a magazine for a competition, as I've mentioned before. Um, so I literally just had to go by what was in my head of a thing I knew I'd created. And that was interesting in itself because now that I've recreated it and I've done it as, as poorly as the original, I believe, in my head, <laughs> that, that is the same as the original. It's, it's like the two have become one because I've no way of, of mm-hmm. seeing how different the original was. I knew I did certain things like, you know, a half moon in, in the sky and stars and a canyon in the background and, and some pyramid-style mountains, and I knew what the, the aircraft looked like. Of course, the new image is not the same as the old image, but but in my head, it's as, it's as good as because it's, it's all I've got, yeah. It's as good yeah. as I could recreate um, from my memory. But this is actually um, its actually a really good segue into an update for another story, uh, another Amiga art story, actually. So the Richard McFarlane, who passed away in 1991, aged 17, from Duchenne muscular dystrophy. Um, we've covered his story before and how the uh, Derby Computer Museum helped restore his original Amiga art from his original computer collection for Richard's family. Uh, and it was done with the help of uh, Jim Paint-It, and Jim has basically continued working on one of Richard's unfinished images, and he's finished it. And, and furthermore, what he's done is he's basically made some prints available for purchase via his website of this now-complete piece of art, as well as some of Richard's other completed pieces. And all the profits will basically be split between the Derby Computer Museum and the charity Dushan UK. Um, so it's a fantastic cause and initiative, and if you fancy some original 90s Amiga art on your wall, head over to Jimmel, so J-I-M-L-L dot co dot U-K slash collection slash Richard dash McFarlane, and of course the links will be in the show notes. Um, I had a quick look, Dave, today, and some of my favourite images are already sold out, so if you want any of them, you got to get in quick. I'm not 
a creative person. I think I've said this before. I'm not a creative person. I, I never felt any desire desire to make any music or art. I, I certainly don't have any any latent talent that I'm aware of. Maybe maybe if I pushed it, it would be there. I don't know, but I'm I'm quite comfortable not creating anything. But what I do enjoy is looking at, and especially here, seeing how he's forensically re- reconstructed, how he's he worked out how it was how it, how it is to reconstruct it. It's a fantastic video. But the best thing about it is the top comment on the video from Jack E. Hager. Um, And he said, how do you thank a total stranger from across the Atlantic Ocean who selects an obscure and irrelevant piece of art you did years ago and turns it into an archaeological techno-adventure park ride? Allow me to wipe tears from my eyes. And he got everything right. Thank you, Stuart. So that's amazing. Um, from the comment, it's, it's clear that I, I don't think Ahoy had, had, had spoken to Jack to get any advice on it. And Jack looks at it afterwards and said, you got it all right. So absolutely amazing story. Do watch the video, though. Even if you just click on it to see if you want to watch it, you, you'll watch the whole thing. It's absolutely fantastic. Find some time to watch it. We are sponsored by Pixel Addict. No, Pixel Addict is a magazine. You can buy it in the shops. You can go to their website and order it to be delivered to you, or you can get it in a PDF format. It comes out 8.7 times a year. And what's 8.7 times a year? It is once every six weeks. 8.7 times a year, though, is easy way to think about it. Next time you're in a news agent, Chris, you say to them, has it been one 8.7th of a year? Is it a new pixel addict for me? I should ring um, every 8.7 times a year. I'm still reading, still reading this this month's issue, uh, DOS special, um, but also I, I read a I read a story about Conan the Barbarian. I didn't really think about it, but he's actually a comic character that could put on on the film, on the on the screen. I, I kind of knew that. I think interesting thing anyway. Uh, but we are sponsored by them. You can go to pixel.addict.media to buy or to subscribe to them. Um, thank you very much for sponsoring us and. Um, Next week's guest, I'm sure, will be an expert on them as usual. So one thing you won't often see in my retro room, uh, which you know you see every week behind me, is the PCs. Um, so basically I've got a, a modern i5 under the desk, which is what I podcast through and do my own video editing on and do the scroll of doom on Facebook and those kind of time-consuming things um, and occasional gaming. Also under here is my Pentium 4 full tower, uh, which is one that basically came from a college that I used to work for and became my my twin boy's first PC. Um, so that's why I've held on to that, and I, I've got XP reinstalled on there. And great for, you know, XP period of gaming, obviously, goes without saying. And it was actually from a mi- multimedia lab in the con- college, so it's actually got things like a Firewire card and stuff like that. So it's quite a nice build for the period. Um, and then in the another room, which you'll – probably never see on this channel that's for sure is what we call the study nook where there's a 1800s grandfather clock let's put it that way um and almost as large as the 1800s grandfather clock is an ibm aptiva amd k62 450 and also my 386 dx um both desktop this obviously. is the one that you that you used to be able to tap to reset is that yeah right? that's right yeah it's a bit annoying it doesn't have that feature anymore <laughs> that was really useful <laughs> and sometimes not in fact, usually not, like if you're using the keyboard, for example. <laughs> I think, right, that'll do. I'll just put the joystick down and save the game. Bang. Bang. Yeah. 
Or I've finished <laughs> typing that. Let's press enter. Reset. <laughs> yeah. But it's working now thanks to some randomly placed electrical tape. Um, that's my idea of a fix. But anyway, the reason they're not on functional display in this room is because they just take up so much more room compared to the micros that I have on this desk. Um, and of course, we, I, we can shove DOSBox on a modern PC and that covers everything. You know, we've discussed that till the cows come home. And there's nothing wrong with that. And, and I myself happily and proudly use emulation alongside original hardware. But when I revisited life with the 386DX recently, I did find that there is something very special about using the original metal. Um, for me, it's, it's mainly that it just takes out the guesswork. You know, is this actually how it was? It's funny you mention that. Now, this last week I've been playing Knights of the Old Republic. Mm. Um, I just got a notion to – sometimes you get a notion to play a game yep. and it's all you want to do. So in playing Knights of the Old Republic, it's a Star Wars role-playing game from Bioware from about 2003. And I, I made a mistake. Um, I've been playing it on my modern PC, and I spent two and a half hours. I think I might have mentioned that last week. I spent two and a half hours getting it to work in widescreen with better better textures. And even then, the UI isn't quite perfect. And I'm sure I could do more hacking to get the UI bigger and all the rest of it. And, you know, I should have just used one of my older machines to play it. Yeah. I've got machines that would absolutely horse it, and it would still look good on a, on, a, on the 4.3 monitor in a lower resolution. And I don't know why I've done it on my, my modern PC. I shouldn't have done it. I should have done it the older ones. But it, it is just when you mentioned that using something special but using the original the original hardware, there definitely is. It, 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 um, for even... Uh, I always felt it was a point at which using the older hardware isn't so important, mm. but perhaps that's only for super, super popular games, more popular than this one, even where there's a source port or where they've been updated to do modern resolutions with UI fixes. I, I, I know that the, the Elder Scrolls ones, you can, you can mod those and so on, but maybe, maybe I should just use them as they come out patched with fixes on the original hardware. Um, but yeah, that was just a little thought. That's an interesting point you raise, actually, because I've I've got almost zero interest in whilst I use emulation, um, I've got almost zero interest in let's call it upscaling or high res textures or stuff like that. Whenever I return mm. to a game, I want to see it how it was. Um, and the one that springs to mind is Frontier First Encounters. There was a heap of mods for that that basically brought it more into the modern era. It's still very old, but this was quite a few years ago. Now I'm talking about, mm. and I had a quick play because a friend that I used to play that with let me know about it. Had a quick play, but it was no longer the same game, and therefore I didn't feel inclined mm -hmm. to play it. Does that make sense? So, yeah, I get you. Yeah, not to knock those projects. At the end of the day, they're great projects, and people that have continued playing that game maybe see that as an, a welcome upgrade and a, and a long overdue upgrade, so that there is something fantastic about that. But if you're revisiting it after a long hiatus, you, what you're actually looking for is to go back to the original experience. So, And again, mm. that brings us back to original hardware. Um so what if you could have a unicorn-spec DOS gaming rig using original parts for the grunt and basically it taking up as little room on your desk as, say, a Mac Mini? That's what Eric... How much is that? What, what, I don't know what a Mac Mini is. It's about this big, he says, on a podcast right. holding up his hands. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so and what's that about? The size of your head. size of my head. 
Yeah, no, probably yeah. slightly smaller. <laughs> I'm looking at random objects thinking, I can't even describe how that how big that is. What is that? Oh, big that. About five, five by five, would you say, inches? Something like that. But this is basically what Eric from the Eric experiment has achieved. Um, obviously, link will be in the show, no, uh, show notes, but he's done a great video called A Tiny Intel 486 Built from Scratch. And he shows how he built exactly that. As always, I want to direct the traffic to the original creator for the full technical details and the story. So do head to the link, you know, um, which was shared with us by Lord Borak 316. But in a nutshell, Eric was inspired by a video on the YouTube channel Scanlines about a build using a 486 SPC or single board computer on an ISA backplane. And Eric is open about the fact that he's pretty much done the exact same thing, but he's gone a step further and it's really cool. I was just going to explain what that SPC or backplane is. Mm. Um, your traditional 386 and 486 and Pentium boards where this big motherboard and you had card slots in it you would put in some of the desktop ones would have just a single slot on the board and you would put a riser in and then the slots would come off that one and that would mean you could have the slots rather than having the slots going at right angles you could have them parallel you could have the cards in parallel with the board and then later we would get these sbcs and they these were used for things like point of sale so they would use them for for tills in shops and so on and they were they were actually a, a bit later than um, the normal kind of lifespan of 486s. These were coming out a bit later, and the same with the Pentium and then the Pentium 3s. They were much later because you didn't need the more powerful system, and you could get this kind of low, uh, energy-efficient, low-powered thing that was was inexpensive, and that's what he's used here. So it, it, it looks like an expansion card, but it actually is the whole system yeah and what it plugs into is is a backplane and, and really what it plugs into is a kind of a a set of expansion ports that you can plug things into so uh, i i've seen these come up more recently uh, on youtube as dos gaming on youtube gets more popular i've seen these coming up again and again i know that um i'm sure i've seen clint with them on lgr and a few other places um they're really they're, they're really interesting things and i think um if you're looking to build a, a small pc then they're, they're ideal for it sorry no that's cool it's good to have an expansion on on all of that um expansion intentional and it's, no it wasn't intentional but i'll run with it so the build that he's done is basically an intel 486 dx4 100 <laughs> with that and that's the spc so you know that, that would have been a killer dos rig back in the day mm. much better than the um uh 486 sx that i ended up with got 32 meg of ram on it that's the stuff of dreams from back then um and it's got a four isa slot backplane uh, in which he's populated a graphics card a sound blaster compatible sound card and an ethernet card so it really is just a dream dos gaming rig already but that's not where this project ends. He's used a 7-inch 4x3 LCD screen and housed it in a retro-styled 3D-printed monitor. So it looks like a CRT. Um, and this gives you an idea of the scale as well. We're using a 7-inch screen, okay? Diagonal uh, dimensions there. And exclusive info, Dave, because this information is not in the video. Uh, Eric has sent this to me personally. A massive reveal. He says... 
it may be 17 centimetres tall. He, he couldn't remember and he wasn't home to measure it, but he thinks that's about right. Brilliant. There we what, go. Fantastic. Exclusive information. exclusive, yeah. <laughs> yes. We're going to be top journalists sometime, any day, any day now. It's all good. And he's housed the PC guts into a period-style 3D-printed case as well, so it looks like a 486, mm. only a lot smaller. Um, and it's the detail on this thing that really gets me. So he's got a, a three-and-a-half-inch floppy drive bay for show that, that of course, is not three-and-a-half-inch. It's much smaller. And then there, below that, there's a, a five-and-a-quarter-inch um, floppy drive above. bay. Um, oh, sorry, above. Yeah, it is above. And that looks like it's probably about three inches across, at a guess, um, from judging from the video. And that houses the USB slot for the GoTech because he's using a GoTech for floppy drive emulation, and also an SD card card slot, which uh, is for the interchangeable hard drive builds because he's using an IDE interface, um, basically mm -hmm. through to through to SD card. There we go. <laughs> mm. And all these are hidden until you lock the drive bay to reveal them. So you've got the little switch that you you pull down, you know, through ninety degrees. And that opens this little um, bay. Shutter. Uh, shutter, yeah. yeah. And that's when you get to see that you've actually got a USB port and an SD card slot. It's such a cool little detail. And you've also got an LED panel. Uh, it looks like a three-digit LED panel. And it looks like what would, you know, back in the day, tell you the CPU speed, especially uh, if you had a, a turbo button. Um, and that's what it looks like, and it's in the right location. But actually, that's the GoTech display. So this thing looks like a 486 Tower PC from the early 90s, only it's tiny, and I absolutely love it. And the more times I watch the video, the more details I spot and admire. So, Dave, I know um, you like to doss about. What do you think? I, I watched this video when it came out. YouTube, up there. Either, either someone linked it or YouTube fed it to me. The, the video was really taken off. It's become super popular. Um, but I watched it a second time once I noticed you'd picked it. The project is great. The, the 3D printing quality is is incredible. It it he he brings a, a proper mid tower period case onto the table beside it, and that's when you can really see the difference. And the mid tower case, they're big, but they're not massive. But think this this compared to it's tiny, but it's so difficult to remember as you're watching it. It is so small because. Everything is, it, it looks in perfect proportion and it, it looks just right, but it's not just a kind of a, a fake thing that the whole, the five and a quarter inch drive is, is really good. The way that it, 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 when it's, when it's in the unlock position and the, the shutter's there, you, you couldn't tell there's anything there, but when you, when you unlock it, the shutter comes down, you've got a USB port for the flash drive to go into and you can access the, 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 the I don't know if it's an SD card or if it's a, um, an S, uh, whatever it is, the, 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 the flash card for it. Um, it's great. I mean, really great. I, I at first was disappointed it wasn't real drives, but I see why it's not. I like real floppy drives. I know most people don't, uh, but it's it, it's amazing. I did wonder, though, if the screen is big enough to play strategy or role-playing games on. I'm not sure. Um, but I noticed that he said, he, he actually said something quite interesting. Right At the very end of the video, he said, the sweet spot is a Pentium MMX with a PCI card because he did start, I mean, this is a DOS gaming PC. It's a 486DX400. So back in the day, we would have taken that into Windows 95. We would have put in Windows 95 on it and it would have worked, but it wouldn't be optimum for Windows 95. And I think what we would tolerate back then 
is much different to what we would tolerate now. I know that when I'm doing DOS gaming or PC gaming or anything like that, I I want it to be a much higher kind of luxury than it, than what it was back then. I want it to be better than what it was back then. So, yeah. what he's done with this the the four eight six one hundred in Windows ninety five, it's a bit choppy and slow. Mm-hmm. He tried he tried funny enough he tried Winamp on it, which uh, put a smile on my face after last week's show. He put Winamp on it and it couldn't manage to play an MP three. I don't know whether the first time I played MP threes it was in DOS on the command line using a command line utility. Maybe that would have done it. Maybe there's less overheads there. Maybe it could have done it that way. Or maybe, as he said, it's the bit rate he does it. But the main thing for this is the is DOS, and it, it does DOS really well. It, it is amazing. Um, I hope he – I hope because of how popular this video is, someone finds a Pentium MMX board like this and gets it to him so that he can perhaps do the same thing but with an MMX, because if he does that, then he'll have something that will cover Windows 98 all the way down. He may be able to get a PCI graphics card in there, which would make things a lot uh, better. That ISA, uh, he mentioned this in the video as well, but ISA graphics cards from the 486 era are not very fast. There's a couple that are better, but they're very expensive. Not very fast, but if you get PCI, you've got something much faster. So I hope that that maybe comes. But the, the 3D printing, though, I'll come back to that. The 3D printing <laughs> this is, is tremendous. You, it doesn't. I'm, I'm used to seeing 3D prints that look a bit shonky, and it was when I got the 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 the, 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 the Mr. Multi System print from actually Neil's involved in that. When I got that through, the 3D the 3D printing quality in that is is really really amazing. I, I, it looks the same, and this looks great. Um, so uh, amazing project. Other details I love about this build are even the color choices. You mentioned the 3D printing there, Dave, and and he's he's you can tell he's paid attention to that as well for the 3D print. So you've got like a beige for the front and the outer casing, and he's used a kind of bluish gray to simulate what would be the metal back parts of of the traditional PC. And you need to pay attention to the parts where the ISA cards show out the back because they just look like expansion slots on a traditional PC case, mm. even down to where the screw would go in so yeah. it really does look like this scaled down squished in real pc it, it kind of, in the one hand it is a scaled down squished in pc but yeah it, it's still a it's still it's still actually a proper pc it's not yeah. just a 3d printed thing holding holding a, a raspberry pi nothing wrong with that but not a 3d printed mm. hold a raspberry pi it's a much more difficult thing of a full uh, a full PC with all the right ports on the back and the expansion cards where they need to be. It's it, it's incredible. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, and when you say about, you know, um, screen being too small, I think one of the beauties of this, I mean, yes, he's gone to the lengths of making a, a, a tiny screen yeah. to accompany his tiny PC, mm-hmm. but you could just have this tiny PC plugged into the monitor of your choice because at the end of the day, it's, it's, a, it's a real yeah. graphics card. Yeah, um, that's you right. Know, whether that be flat panel or traditional CRT, mm. you could just have this as a desk-saving way of playing DOS games on the yeah. metal, which is yeah. fantastic. It really is fantastic. Um, yeah, I, I noticed when he was playing about in Windows 95 and it was going quite slow, I was thinking, why aren't you in Windows 3.1, for goodness sake? And then he does actually jump to Windows 3.1 and mm. he has some issues there as well, mainly because most of the games he was trying to demonstrate were actually running from within Windows. So, you know, obviously that you've got the overhead of having Windows running at the same time. But it was just nice to see what this thing could push out. He uh, There was a bit of a faux pas there, Dave. I don't know if you noticed it. 
Hmm? He did not play Doom. Wow. <laughs> Come on. I wonder, I, I wonder <laughs> if that was a conscious choice not to do it because maybe. everybody does it. So maybe he thought, no, I'm not going to do it. Um, <laughs> I, I remember um, Dale, who goes by Dopefish, who made the, um, the um, I'm looking at it now, the, oh, what do you call it? The little project where it's a, a pie two is it pi zero two w that does midi uh the mt32 pi project oh, okay. yeah he he he's fed up with monkey island music because that's what he tests it <laughs> on and that's what everybody wants to show him using the monkey what's it what's the go-to for that monkey island yeah i was messing so, about on my pc in the study nook just yesterday and my wife goes what is that music going on and i was i was having a look at return to monkey island <laughs> It's almost, uh, you know when I'm go, uh, going, Wayne's World, no stay away to heaven. Oh, yeah, 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 it's funny. And that's the first time I've really had a poke about in it, just having a, it's not the talky version, unfortunately. Uh, but anyway, back to Eric's project. I mean, the whole thing really is just so polished and the effort is revealed in a wonderful waterfall of failed print attempts that Eric openly shares <laughs> in the video. And he, and he apologises to planet Earth for how much plastic was, was wasted. I'm sure it could be recycled in some way, Eric. You're absolutely fine. Um, but do check out this video in the show notes. On now to our question of the week, which is what fills the imagination gap for you when it comes to games, old or new games? Does the game's cover art take the immersion to the next level or perhaps a poster map of the game's world for you on your wall? Maybe that does it for you. So let's jump into the uh, answers on the subreddit. And Dave, do you want to read out the first one? Yeah. So Nuclear Silo for Sale, who doesn't tell us a price, but Nuclear Silo for Sale says, when it was new, we first played the original Resident Evil with all the lights off in complete darkness in the middle of the night with the base turned right up while sitting on the floor. Earlier games definitely benefited from box art, magazines and manuals. It was helpful material to utilise to build your own elaborate backstory while your parents forced you to switch to the news. I even enjoyed entering those keys, codes, answers from those anti-piracy booklets with the black on black so they couldn't be photocopied. Prime opportunity to pretend that I was a secret agent. <laughs> Very cool. Okay, so the next one is by X Battle Station. Cover art, posters, for instance, Mercenaries cover, a neon in the daytime wireframe cipher world comes alive in my brain. I think any 8 slash 16-bit 3D game, which all appear quite empty on face value, live or die on the world promised by the cover art. My memory was actually correct on this, Dave, because I was thinking... The cover art is wireframe and the game is wireframe, so it's actually quite true representation of what you get in the game. And sure enough, on my 10-star Games Pack version, that is how it's depicted, uh, a wireframe world on the cover yeah. art. What about yourself? I've got the, I've got the, same, the same thing here on this kind of uh, this plastic folder. Yep. Uh, and also there's a, a slightly different one on the, the box for it. It's, it's two, two colours there. Oh yeah, this is nice. for this is for mercenary. This is actually this is actually the Amiga release of it. This is the mercenary compendium, which my, got the, the first address, game and the, um, Yeah, if you give me your address, I won't send it to you. Sure, <laughs> um, definitely that, that'll definitely happen. Fantastic. Um, you'll not get it. Yeah, um, 
I'm keeping this. Mercenary uh, yeah, nice. is, is, is a fantastic thing. It's a weird box. It's a kind of double box. Um, but the, it kind of continued into the the sequel. So the, the sequel to, to Mercenary was Damocles. Yeah, that's right. And um, it's a lovely 3D cover there. Um, although this one is kind of uh, not wireframe. And then finally, they, they kind of went Mercenary 3. They kind of went in a slightly different direction again. And this was... Not wireframe, but kind of hand drawn that kind of art, the same kind of idea as uh, as driller on that one. It looks flat shape, um, doesn't it? So they've kind of been true to yeah. the what what you yeah. actually get in the game, which is really yeah. nice. Yeah, I yeah. like it. Great series of games. Great series of games. I love I love mercenary. So good. Sybil eighty six says VR. Playing certain games in VR now gives me the same imagination rush I used to get with Elite Revs and Flight Unlimited back in the day. MSFS, that must be Microsoft Light Sim in VR, got excited when working from home for lunchtime so I could rush downstairs to take my newly bought Piper Archer 2 for a quick flight from my local airport, Rochester, um, with real-time weather to almost match what was outside. A few circuits then an almost perfect landing, parking up the plane and flicking switches to kill the engine and just like the back of my hand, sitting there listening to the engine cooling down with the sound of the rain on the roof. And he says, no man's sky in VR, rushing to finish my tea and do the washing up, as so to don the headset and mine resources to make money and buy upgrades, all the time avoiding pirates. That sounds like elite. Um, So many cool and amazing adventures and stories which all happen in my imagination just by playing NMS in VR. And finally, he says, Project Cars and VR. Despite having countless cars and trucks, I spent so 80% of it in one car going around one track, like my best years playing revs in the BBC. Just a four-speed Formula 3 car learning the Cadwell Park track. No brands hatch, just like the back of my hand, and then trying to qualify and beat the AI on 5, 10, 20-plus lap races in VR Um this is what Revs and later Grand Prix was in my head in the eighties. So Revs and Grand Prix was Jeff Crammond. Um, incredible games. They they must have uh, you may stun car racer as well on the Sentinel, but they they must have been the blueprint for racing games afterwards. He he uh, he must have created the genre there. Um, yeah. Great great answers. Yeah, no, that's cool. Um, should we do a, we'll do a few more since we're a bit. Um, because Neil's not here this week, we've got a bit more time. Yeah, yeah, I will. Can I, can I just say that, just because it's pertinent to what's been said on that last one by Sybil66, mm. is after our very recent and ongoing discussions about Elite and Frontier and, and even Elite Dangerous and No Man's Sky, I was sitting there thinking, yeah, I'm going to have to do it. I basically deleted a whole heap of games and I'm not going to replay off my PS4 just so that I can reinstall Elite Dangerous and No Man's Sky because I want to get back into them. And it's because mm-hmm. of discussions like this where I've, I've gone, mm. okay, I've, I've put them down because I didn't like the grind, but that's in my head, really. I get out of these games what I create in my own imagination. Mm. And actually, that's a really nice way of playing games, even on a modern platform. So, yeah, really good point. Well made. Richard Shears um, has put a nice answer up, one of your favourites, Dave. He said, oh, again, I have to mention Driller. The premise of drilling didn't fill me with excitement. Exactement. <laughs> It, he means excitement. It. I thought it was going William. for excitement, yeah. However, the box art really drew me in. Uh, oh, and the 3D Freescape graphics on a humble CPC 464 really blew my mind. 
It also came with a rather unique map that you had to assemble into a 3D representation. Yep, got a copy of that in my box version. Um, oh, the immersive frames per minute. <laughs> FPM has invented a new phrase. Phrase per minute. Uh, really did blow my mind back then. It was a simple... Uh, I was a simple individual, sorry. But the game that really took it to the next level was Lord of the Rings. Again, I had it for the CPC, and it came with a rather, rather good, albeit a third book, uh, only a third of a book, sorry, by someone unknown but seemingly talented author. Apparently they made several films after this game, <laughs> which my wife tells me were quite popular. I still prefer the cartoon version from 1978 that used some rather innovative, at the time, animation using rotoscaping. Rotoscoping. Yeah, it does. It does. It's, it's it's really interesting to watch it. It's quite dark and sinister at times the way it comes out when they've done the the orcs and the men that way. Yeah. Oh, is that right? It's not it's the same way as they did the um, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, is it? Because was that similar? I don't know. I haven't seen it. Because oh, okay. that's a really weird style <laughs> of animation. I just wondered yeah. if that was. Yeah. Anyway. Um, he said, I did end up buying every other book by the author, Similarian, becoming a very firm favourite. What was that, sorry? Sim you say it. <laughs> I haven't read that. Silmarillion. Silmarillion. My boy, Luke, who yeah. loves these, is going to kill me. He's literally going to kill me. Anyway, it was becoming a very firm favourite, uh, much the admiration of Richard's English teacher. Side note, uh, this also spawned interest in a certain progressive band, Marillion that is still my favourite and most listened to band to this day. So a game that I that really did reward me in many ways. Did I finish it? Not quite yet. Frosty Cheesecake 954 says, Sonic the Hedgehog was a very different character in my head when I played the original game on my Mega Drive as a kid. He was mute for a start, like an actual animal, and that made all his emoting through expression and body movements more endearing. He was a plucky underdog against a technologically superior foe. Proper David versus Goliath stuff. When the comics and cartoons turned it into a gobby irritant who was always one step ahead of the enemy and never in any apparent danger, I went right off the blue blur. I I get that. I get that. <laughs> I do. The more they say, the more divisive they can be, and the more you can put you off something. If they let you fill your fill it yourself with your own imagination, you can maybe do something a bit better. Yeah, true. You have a quick scan through and summarise some of the others. Sure. What do you think? Oh, Night Driver. Yeah, you need imagination for Night Driver. That's by Moonalalia. Um, what else? Starglider mentioned there as well. Yeah, Ultima um, Four. Legend. So Lee from uh, more fun makes it makes ZX Spectrum gain Legend. I don't know that one. No, I don't, I don't know, know Legend. 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 Said so the um, game was terrible. But the book was amazing. Um. David Gemmell. David Gemmell, he's he's written books. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. David Gemmell, he's written books. There, there's some insight for you. Yeah. Um, I'm coming. Talking about reading manuals. Yeah, yeah. Uh, arcade machines. Uh, magnetic scrolls or Infocom. Yeah, that's from Pajaco. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. He's talking about Jinkster from Magnetic Scrolls. They were trying to do the, the – they were trying to be as, as close to Infocom as they can. Uh, but yeah, yeah, fantastic stuff. Yeah, imagination gap, incredible. Here's a here's a here's a question for you, Dave. Okay, just for you, what what mm -hmm. world map was on your wall, or it potentially is still on your wall? Which world map? There's no room now because it's all full. I've mounted shelves everywhere for big box games, but for me, I definitely had the Frontier one up. 
uh, for a while. One I've got. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I had the frontier one up. There would have been other ones as well. I can't remember off the top of my head. There would have been other ones. It wouldn't have been that just that one. Mm. But yeah, I was never one for posters. Never did any band pick, band posters, but game posters definitely, absolutely. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. The frontier galaxy map. I'm literally staring at it right now. Love it. Right. What's this week's question of the week, Dave? Did you create anything back in the day that you'd like someone else to rediscover or have you even recreated it yourself? This is going back to the four-byte burger. Have you done anything like that? doesn't have to be graphics. could be art. could be a game. could be anything like that. Have you created something back in the day you'd like someone else to recreate or have you done it yourself? Answers to the subreddit www.reddit.com slash r slash this week in retro link in the show notes thank you very much for listening neil um should probably say where neil is neil is ill he's got um some kind of throat infection or tonsillitis or that kind of thing hopefully he'll be back uh next week sounding just a little bit rough not too rough hopefully we're back next week we do have a guest next week we have someone coming on who's been on before uh, i won't say any more um but thank you very much for listening thank you very much uh, i hope you have a lovely saturday morning thanks bye this week in retro was presented by neil from rmc the cave chris from 005 agima and dave it was produced by me duncan styles podcast version of the show is available through your favorite podcaster including apple podcast and spotify and the video version is available on the This Week in Retro YouTube channel. Join our community subreddit at r slash thisweekinretro to suggest and vote on the stories we cover on the show. If you watch This Week in Retro on YouTube, please give us a like and subscribe to help us reach new viewers. If you enjoy our show and would like to support it, then please check out the link to our Patreon page in the show notes or description. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time for more up-to-date news for out-of-date tech.